0: This is the Oanda Podcast, brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where we preview all the big market stories coming up in the week ahead with Oanda's Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham.
1: And it's a very good afternoon to Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. I'm really good. I'm off next week, so I am very close to feeling excellent.
0: Well, that's uh, great news that you're not going to be around for the European elections.
1: It's almost as like bit, it's almost it's a, it's a bit almost selfish as if, of you, actually.
0: It's almost as if I've done this intentionally. <laughs> yeah. No, but believe me, there'll be something to bite back as soon as you return. And talking of uh, those European elections and Brexit, we should talk about the pound because it's sunk to a four-month low today against the dollar after those uh, cross-party Brexit talks between the Conservatives and Labour collapsed. Uh,
1: surprise, surprise. What was it all about? Yeah, I mean, what what a week we've got ahead of us, and with the yeah. pound in, as well. The pound's been sinking for the last two weeks, and as you say, it's now hit these lows. It started off a bit of a slower decline, um, and it was initially built, the, the initial rally was almost kind of, you were seeing maybe some optimism building over these talks, but as it's become clear what exactly what we've been talking about for weeks now, which is that these talks were never going to go anywhere they were never going to be able to bridge that divide between the conservatives ideals and the uh, labor party ideals when it became clear that they were actually breaking down coincidentally just around the time of the eu elections when it became clear that the brexit party is going to clean up then the pound started to fall because we've now been faced with a a a, a, a a possibility that harder brexit is now back on the table because both parties both major parties look like they're going to get crushed in these eu elections and that's going to be sold as as voter anger uh how this has been handled let's ignore the fact for a second that voting participation in these elections is typically around 30 percent if i'm not mistaken extremely poor extremely low level of turnout and brexit brexit fan brexit Brexiters are incentivized to actually go and vote at this whereas other people probably less so i mean i'm not sure if i'm going to bother to go and vote I may actually be on holiday come to think of it um, uh, so they're incentivized by that you, we have Theresa May who has now suggested that uh, she will resign basically after her bill comes back at the start of June, whether it passes or not? So um, now we have the prospect that that bill doesn't pass and a stauncher Brexiteer comes in and tries to pursue a harder Brexit or no deal Brexit. So that now comes back on the table. It's been quite a negative week from a purely pound perspective. Let's not go into the political side of things and beliefs and the, the, that kind of argument, but from a purely markets perspective and from a pound perspective, it's been a really bad couple of weeks and it could get much worse. And we're going to have this
0: vacuum aren't we because um assuming that she doesn't get her deals through, i think it's a 95 percent certain really isn't it and then you talked about a possible brexiteer coming in to replace her well that isn't going to happen until the autumn so what's going
1: to happen between july and september so i mean uh, we, we have to remember that when theresa may actually took the job when david cameron resigned and theresa may um, Won against no opposition, if I'm not mistaken, was Andrea Ledson pulled out. Yeah. Uh, uh, that process was really quick. Uh, if I'm again, it feels like such a long that's time. That's not going to happen years. again, though. So that's. I don't think it's going to be as quick this time, but it may not be too too long. I think there's going to be well, more. Uh, there's going to be more people who are going to try and participate in this leadership. Pretty contest.
0: sure that it has to go to the party members. And that wouldn't happen until later. So they'll get down to the the final two, just like the X Factor, isn't it? Final two. <laughs> uh, I'm I, not sure which. <laughs> I, I I can't stand more to be honest. Before, before summer's end, they'll get back to the, the to to the final two, and then there'll be that impasse where. People will vote in the constituencies.
1: I'm looking at this situation. It may not be that quick. I don't think it's going to be too slow. At the end of the day, we're running out of time, so I'm not sure what the process of actually. What it, did Donald it, Tusk
0: say? Don't waste that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've wasted a what six weeks. Of Nothing's now already. happened. So there is the potential that we do just then. To be honest, it's not the end of the world if we get a new leader in September. It's not the end of the world that they've only got six weeks to try and get a deal over the line. As we learned in the lead up to March, that kind of urgency yeah. is needed. We've just wasted six weeks on talks we all knew were doomed to fail. That urgency is not necessarily a bad thing. So I don't, that's one thing. We could potentially get an extension if we need one. But I think from a market's perspective, it is just that uncertainty. It is the fact that a harder Brexit is now back on the table. We've lost one option of a softer Brexit, which would have been a Tory-Labour uh, compromise. Yeah a referendum could have come from that as well that's now um it seems a longer shot so it like I say a negative week from a sterling perspective but now next week it's not just the eu elections which we have which i'm sure you're going to come on to next we've got the inflation report hearing so we'll hear from yeah. mark carney and his colleagues um big sterling event again especially in light of what's happened over the last two weeks we saw at the uh uh the last interest rate announcement that the delay to brexit effectively clouds their ability to pursue further interest rate hikes um as well. And now they get grilled by a select uh, committee of MPs, some of who are Brexiteers, some of who are Remainers. It should be entertaining. I'm not sure I'm gonna be switching on from holiday, but again, another big sterling event.
0: Yeah, that's on Tuesday, isn't it? The Bank of England uh yes. before and then of course on Wednesday we've got the latest inflation figures as well. And as you said um we still don't know what's going to happen with interest rates because of the uncertainty of brexit i would imagine that unless the inflation figures suddenly hiked uh, over the next couple of months it's going to stay as is for the rest of the year
1: yeah it's been slight it's been a pretty much around bank of england target maybe a little bit shy Mm. if if it follows the trend that we've seen elsewhere then we could even see it drop off a little bit which i think the bank of England would be okay with at this moment in time it gives them an excuse not to raise interest rates at this moment in time like say a big hike in inflation may put the pressure on them a bit so i think a little drop may actually appease them somewhat you look at the u.s for example and i think goldman sachs released a report last week showing that uh, inflation may be running around target but actually it's the tariff goods which are driving that and non-tariff goods are actually seeing declining inflation so um you, you, you look at these figures and you look at the figures that we've seen elsewhere and I don't think whether Bank of England are going to be pressured into raising interest rates quite yet I still am of the belief that we could see a rate hike late this year really? assuming we actually get through October 31st without an extension or without no deal but I guess I we'll wait and see. everything changes so very quickly. very unlikely uh, you, you mentioned
0: the tariffs and markets of course dominated by the US-China trade talks and we've got a statement from the Chinese foreign ministry today And uh, it says that the United States must show what they call sincerity if it's to hold uh, meaningful trade talks. Uh, That was after Donald Trump has dramatically raised the stakes with a potentially devastating blow to Chinese tech firm Huawei. So it's not going well at all at the moment. But for some reason, I I think that there is light at the end of this tunnel and they will do a deal in the end because it's in both their interests too.
1: Yeah, the timing of that national security risk um, yeah. is quite interesting, right? Just as talks break down, it's time to now um, release this uh, bazooka um, and see how China responds to that. China's got quite defensive about it. A lot of the, um, if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the local um, newspapers and things have taken a very strong, um, almost nationalistic line mm. on this, um, suggesting that they are in for the fight they're not going to be bullied so um it it, it, i think these talks could go on i don't think trump's going to get his way quite so easily and i think he knows that so the auto tariffs which were delayed by six months i think that is with an eye on these china talks saying yes there's a meeting next week next month g20 meeting trump and xi are likely to have discussions at that um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll actually find a way around this. I think both sides are putting up a very, um, a, a very big fight here, and this could go on for much longer. So they've pushed back those auto tariffs because ultimately the US doesn't want to be fighting a trade war on multiple fronts: Europe, Japan, China. They don't want this. This could be damaging both economically, and I imagine at that point you may start to see Donald Trump's poll numbers getting hit ahead of an election year. So I, th- I think we've, we've, it's become quite clear this week that. This, this is going to go on and on and on, and we could see more tariffs, and both sides are kind of okay with self-harming if they think it could harm the other side more. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, really, on this side of the Atlantic? <laughs> Everywhere, uh, let's be honest yeah, at this point. Uh,
0: staying with the uh, geopolitical side of things, Iran continues to daunt markets as well. Difficult to see where we're going with this one. Um, how is oil affected by this at the moment?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, oil did spike uh, initially, so we had the sabotage um, event last weekend um, when, I think it was Saudi tankers were uh, sabotaged and all fingers were pointed at Iran in that case. Um, it It hasn't enormously flared up this weekend, there was no actual damage, there was no lost oil but the risk to oil output obviously then becomes significant what how this event is then used um in terms of further escalations could affect oil output as well so this is an event that could potentially keep oil prices higher but then it's been a weird week on that sense because we had that event which almost lifted oil price but then we had the other event which was markets sold off heavily on monday Mm. um and oil markets do move in a similar pattern to things like the s&p 500 because let's face it if the economy is booming people are spending um and demand for oil rises which lifts oil prices if the economy suddenly plummets and we start to see recessions pop up around the world businesses suffer households suffer spending suffers and demand for oil suffers and therefore you see oil prices start to slip that's the almost traditional supply demand model so we have seen we the oil prices kind of recovered as the week went on um, uh, and we, we had the inventory numbers, which seem to have a little bit of an impact. We had the slightly higher inventories. There's so many factors playing a part in all that. I think that's what makes oil so interesting right now. That's why I think it's become so interesting for traders, because there's so many factors, whether it's geopolitics, whether it's general uh, economic, um, whether it is uh, the oil output cut and the impact that it's now having on the inventory numbers. All of these things swirling around. Trump, obviously, naturally at the center of most of it it makes it really interesting and I think next week will be no different.
0: And if you think about it Trump's a year and a half away from the election he's got to be very careful that one of these doesn't affect his chances of winning another term because Iran uh, could seriously affect things, uh, oil price etc and the US-China
1: talks he will want some of these things to be resolved if not both. Well I think think there's there's one thing that we can say for sure there's two things that Trump pays close attention to there's the Dow Uh, and its performance and there is his poll numbers and he'll know full well what what kind of an impact these things are having on both take earlier this week the dow fell what was it three three and a half percent on Monday? he was very aware of that and on tuesday he came out and referred to the china they're trying to break down as a little squabble very intentional words aimed at diluting playing down how negative this is market started to rebound wednesday he came out and pushed back the auto tariffs again gave markets a little bit of a boost because this idea of another uh, tra- another trade war uh, 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 escalating um it, it kind of lifted markets he knows what he's doing he's keeping a close eye on these two things that's almost why you look at these situations and you say we almost kind of need a stock market crash to really um to, to to get things moving to get the gears moving because as it is he's going to be perfectly happy engaging in all of in, in these different types of things as long as the stock market's a record highs and as long as his poll numbers are okay I don't think he's going to be deterred. We've got the Fed minutes on Wednesday as well. What are you expecting with that? Yeah, it really is a busy week, isn't it? Um, I, I'm not expecting too much, to be honest. Yeah, i are going on holiday. Remember oh, yeah, I know, yeah, and I'm missing <laughs> it all. It's a joyous time to be alive. Um, the the fed means i'm not expecting too much to be quite honest it's we've we've had no interest rate hikes this year we're unlikely to see it seems an interest rate hike this year unless something dramatically changes like i said the inflation number has dropped a bit which again takes the pressure off all the rhetoric we've heard from various fed policy and we'll hear from a number more next week as well seems to be very much the case of we're quite happy with how things are even among the more dovish are saying we, we it, they could be a little bit lower but i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm relatively content there's no one really pushing there's very few if i'm if i've missed any pushing for higher interest rates at this stage so that will make the minutes a little bit more boring unfortunately
0: couple more things word about the
1: australian elections how significant are they globally globally not that significant but obviously domestically very significant i think we've had six different leaders in the last 12 years in, in australia this hasn't come from uh, snap elections this has actually come from leadership bids within the parties now uh, i believe that there's been some changes within both parties actually to make it more difficult to uh, to call these leadership contests to replace leaders on such a frequent basis Sounds which familiar? makes yeah, which makes this uh, election quite more significant because this is probably the best chance that any leaders had in a decade or two to actually serve a full term. um So uh, I think this could be quite interesting. It's also neck and neck in the polls. um The between uh, between the two sides, it's almost kind of 50-50. So uh, it's not a foregone conclusion as to which way it's going to go. I think Labour, the the, the Labour Party, were slightly ahead. The liberal, I think it's the Liberals on the other side, who um, were a little bit behind. But when the polls are that close, and we've seen the the margin for error in the past, it really could go either way they have had a lot of australian prime ministers in recent years they've had they, uh, they've had 12 six yeah. six sorry yeah, six, and 12, six, yeah nothing yeah. I, <laughs> I think it was the status of the other day
0: perhaps it's a sign of things to come for us because we could have we could have two in the next six months couldn't well, we they, or three I mean, if it wasn't yeah. for
1: Theresa to staying in power yeah. we could have had two or three in the past two years but yeah. she's somehow managed to <laughs> cling on it's been but you look everywhere and it's the similar trend everywhere Volatile, apart from like yeah. kind of the uk the us germany We've had a lot of prime ministers floating around all over the place and it, I think it's really a sign of the Times right now. Yeah. Um, I, I was speaking to someone earlier in the office and it feels the one of the things that is worrying right now, I think, is the fact that parties are becoming more extreme and they are being almost pressured to do so and it's being welcomed. There's a lot of voices complaining about it, but there's a, it's not a coincidence that every country you look at, parties are being pushed to and, the extreme, And the mainstream parties are being squeezed. All well, the mainstream parties yeah. are being squeezed, and that's forcing them wide as well. You look here in the UK; you could argue the right—the right's gone further right. The left has certainly gone further left. Um, you could certainly see it in the US with Bernie Sanders in the in the, in the Democrats. Donald Trump, obviously, um, as a Republican, almost uh, has become much more right-wing than we than we've probably seen in the past. You, we we see it everywhere we go. I think France is the only exception here, and Macron's under extreme pressures to mm-hmm. try and maintain this kind of centre Europhile position. And we've got the Yellow Vest movement. So. It, it's it's a really I mean I'm sure we'll look back on it one day as an interesting time but social the, media Craig
0: yeah. that's what it's being caused by you're I blaming think. twitter <laughs> well, not just Twitter, everything really, because uh, pe- people have more access to opinion than, than they ever have, and they can live in their own echo chamber.
1: But it, yeah, and, and you, you it almost gives you the ability to say whatever you want, exactly. and there'll be no repercussions. Things that you wouldn't say to people's face, you you can now express these views, and when the more you see these views, the more it gives other people the impression that they can express them. And People you, used you, to march the polling booth with little doubt in their mind who they were going to vote for and maybe we had
0: you know 20 to 30 percent in the middle the swing voters uh who would make the decision between one way or the other really
1: i mean this i mean we could go on forever about this the, the political situation i feel but i think it was really um it was really summed up last week weekend by was it nigel farage was it on the andrew Marr show That's right. and andrew mar decided to ask him questions about his beliefs on a variety of things from gun Didn't laws like um to to a number of other issues and he was furious with the yeah. audacity that he had to, that, that he wasn't talking about brexit like as if this this whole idea that we, we 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 talk about various issues when you're when you're running an election campaign the need for a manifesto but that's the way politics is going. It's not changing. It's not slowing down. We are heading more in that direction. And I do think that is that is um, a potential concern. But again, that's probably a conversation for an entire other podcast. Craig, wonderful to speak to you again. Uh, so sad that you're going to be going on holiday. Who's in the hot chair next week? So joining you next week will be my good friend, my colleague over in Toronto, Alfonso Esparza. been on the podcast before. He very much knows what he's talking about. Hopefully everyone will very much enjoy it.
0: Have a great holiday. Thank you.